human voices, the pushing and shoving of humanity, all that was absent here. While I stood waiting on the veranda for a lamp to be lit so I could be shown to my room, I listened to the dry, grating crackle of palm leaves over the roof, the voices of frogs issuing low warnings from some invisible pond or swamp nearby, and these sounds were even more disquieting than the silence. A lighted lantern was finally brought out, and I followed its ghostly glow in, past large looming pieces of furniture, to the room that Chogidar opened for me. It released a dank odour of mildew, as of a trunk, opened after a long stretch of time, and a death or two, and I thought this was surely not a chapter of my life. It was only a chapter in one of those novels I used to read in my student days, something by Robert Louis Stevenson, or Arthur Conan Doyle, or Wilkie Collins. I had been a great reader then, and secretly hoped to become a writer. I remembered, too, the hated voice of the gym master at school, shouting, Stiffen up now, boys, stiffen up! And I nearly laughed. A bitter laugh. All the actions that one performs automatically and habitually in the real world, the lighted world of bathing, dressing, eating a meal, here had to be performed in a state of almost jellied slow motion. I carried the lantern into the bathroom with me. It created grotesquely hovering shadows rather than light and made the slimy walls and floor glisten dangerously, and made do with a rudimentary bucket of water and a tin mug. To put on a clean set of clothes when I could scarcely make out what I had picked from my suitcase— packed with an idiotic lack of good sense. A tie? When would I ever wear a tie in this pit? And then to find my way to the dining room and sit down to a meal placed before me that I could scarcely identify. Was it lentils or a mush of vegetables, and was this whitish puddle rice or what? All were manoeuvres to be carried out with slow deliberation, so much so that they seemed barely worthwhile, just habits belonging to another world, and time carried on weakly. The high-pitched whining of mosquitoes sounded all around me, and I slapped angrily at their invisible presences. Then, with a small explosion, the electricity came on, and lights flared with an intensity that made me flinch. An abrupt shift took place. The circuit house dining room, the metal bowls and dishes set on the table, the heavy pieces of furniture, the yellow curry stains on the tablecloth, all revealed themselves with painful clarity, while the whine of mosquitoes faded with disappointment. Now large winged ants insinuated their way through the wire screens and hurled themselves at the electric bulb suspended over my head. Some floated down into my plate where they drowned in the gravy, wings detaching themselves from the small floundering worms of their bodies. I pushed back my chair and rose so precipitately the chokidar came forward to see what was wrong. I saw no point in telling him that everything was. Instructing him abruptly to bring me tea at six next morning, I returned to my room. It felt like a mercy to turn off the impudent light dangling on a cord over my bed, and prepare to throw myself into it for the night. 
I had not taken the mosquito net that swaddled the bed into account. First, I had to fumble around for an opening to crawl in, then tuck it back to keep out the mosquitoes. At this, I failed, and those that found themselves trapped in the netting with me furiously bit at every exposed surface they could find. What was more, the netting prevented any breath of air reaching me from the sluggishly revolving fan overhead. Throughout the night, voices rang back and forth in my head. Would I be able to go through with this training in a remote outpost that was supposed to prepare me for great deeds in public service? Should I quit now, before I became known as a failure and a disgrace? Could I appeal to anyone for help, some mentor, or possibly my father, retired now from this very service, his honour and his pride?